the incomparable. Number 484, October 2019. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about... A horror movie. <gasps> what? Wait, are you yeah, sure? It's it's Shocktober. Chain rattle, chain rattle, chain rattle. All the chains are rattling, and I thought yes. maybe I, I. So what? Here's the thing: is I don't love horror movies. I don't. I don't. But you don't my say. Good, my good friend Steve Lutz recommended a horror movie, and I thought, you know, that sounds like a good idea. Maybe I should watch that horror movie, and we could t- talk about it as part of like our Halloween sort of themed uh, thing. And so Steve recommended it to me. Nine years ago. In, in episode nine. <laughs> <laughs> and here in episode 484, <laughs> we're going to talk about Ginger Snaps, a 2000 Canadian horror film directed by and written by some of the people who would go on to bring you the TV series Orphan Black. Uh, it, is, it is coming from the era where Buffy the Vampire Slayer was on the air. I feel like that is relevant a little bit in how the, the tone of Ginger mm. Snaps uh, is is there. So anyway, I have here, I have some horror movie aficionados. I have I have a Canadian and I have a werewolf. Um, and they're all available <laughs> to talk about aspects of this movie, which is great. <laughs> so let me first, well, we'll start with a Canadian. It's Annette Weirstra. Hello. Welcome. Hello. I am happy to represent every Canadian on this podcast all right thank you i I appreciate that um steve lutz aforementioned steve lutz saw this movie in at least in 2010 when we talked about it in episode nine hello yes jason if you will cast your mind back roughly nine (laughs) years to episode nine of the incomparable you may recall that i recommended this to you as a person who enjoys things like buffy the vampire slayer indeed and i take your advice steve indeed it just takes a little while <laughs> i put it in a box let it uh, let it air out a little age like all a the fine skin get out of there and then i uh, <laughs> listen to your advice that's what i do yep. that's what i do uh, brian hamilton likes horror movies if there's anything i know about brian hamilton it's that he likes horror movies hi brian hamilton this one comes with a free calendar <laughs> that's a great line yeah it is a good line and uh and i think kathy campbell may be a werewolf or a unicorn i'm not sure which but uh, I know she loved Orphan Black and did a whole podcast about it. And so she can tell us there there are a couple scenes that I was like, oh, I see it. There it is uh, in this. Hi, Kathy. <laughs> Hi, Jason. This was your idea. If you don't like your ideas, stop having them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, there is there is that moment where they're where they're like going down in the basement of the suburban house and horror ensues. And I thought, yeah, this is they went back to this well in Orphan Black where it's like the mm-hmm. things that happen in the basements of suburban mm-hmm. tract homes. You would not believe that. Yeah. Good place to have horrible things happen in amid the bucolic uh, suburbs. Yes. In fact, I believe that uh, part, at least part of Orphan Black takes place in idyllic Bailey Downs. Ah, <laughs> they've gotten over maybe some of their horrible, horrible killings that happened. <laughs> mm, I doubt it. And just added new ones. Yeah. Steve. Yes, sir. Tell me your thoughts about, about why you recommended this, this movie, because it's sort of... It starts with you and then ends with me. So tell, tell me what, what stands out for you about Ginger Snaps. Uh, well, again, as you mentioned, you had talked uh, on that previous, on our, our one episode where we covered all of <laughs> all horror. All horror movies were covered. <laughs> you mentioned that uh, you weren't a huge fan of horror, but you do enjoy the sort of subgenre like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where they uh, mix it in with some comedy and maybe, you know, throw in some interesting allegories while they're at it. Uh, and, you know, kind of show mixing of horror with sort of standard everyday life. 
Uh, and that's why I recommended this in the first place. Um, I think I first saw this around, I want to say it's around 2004 or so, and I don't even remember where I heard about it, but I do know that both of the sequels were already out by the time I heard. Um, and I watched it, and I was I was impressed, I think, with how smart the script is, um, how well-balanced the various aspects of it are. Because it's... Uh, you know, it's ostensibly a horror film, but it's also largely a dark comedy mm-hmm. uh, with a fairly decent helping of, of some actual drama in the way the sisters are sort of growing apart and growing together again and, and so on. And I think it's a, it's a nice mix the way they do it here. Uh, I think there's exactly the right portions of each type uh, of film. And uh, I just, I really enjoyed it. And it's, it stuck with me. Uh, and so, you know, it's been kind of on my list of... Uh, some of the best horror movies I've seen in the last couple of decades. It's weird thinking this is almost 20 years old now, but mm. uh, it's still on that list because, it, again, it's it's enjoyable in a lot of ways. I think it gets almost everything right with one unfortunate exception, which we'll talk about later when we get to it. But uh, I'm very curious to hear how uh, how everybody else took this film. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, first I'm time delighted. for everyone else, I think. I'm delighted, mm-hmm. yeah, that there are so many first-timers here. Uh, and also that we have... Uh, multiple women on the podcast because another thing that's interesting about this movie uh, at least within the horror realm is that uh, this is a film with a very feminine perspective um, written Mm -hmm. by Karen Walton who wrote several episodes of Orphan Black uh, as you mentioned story by um, her and John Fawcett who went on to co-create Orphan Black Uh, he also directs and um most of the themes and and uh, and allegories that are explored here are very distinctly feminine themes. I mean, uh, a good chunk of this movie is about female sexuality. Uh, menstruation comes up fairly frequently. Um, the sort of dynamic between the sisters and the the very odd dynamic they have with their mom. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I, I love that we have a couple of women here because, um, I'm very curious to hear how that all took them. Okay. So Ginger Snaps begins in Canada. Indeed. In a suburb, a housing development where a young child finds the severed paw of its dead dog. (laughs) Okay. Can we first talk about how there are so many leaves in this backyard without a tree. (laughs) That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, this is very important, like continuity. Like, yes, you got to clean up the leaves, but where are they coming from? Next door. The neighbor has a tree. They're the worst. (laughs) I have had leaves blow in from a neighbor's yard, not a fenced yard. That many? Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. I, I don't know. That was, that was my, I mean, biggest concern that I had about the continuity and reality in this movie. Yard work is the most horrible thing of (laughs) all. I I was much more upset about the dead dog, but maybe that's me. They don't all have trees in Canada, but they all share the leaves equally. It's kind of part of their whole life. One of the most evocative things in horror for me is when a small child is involved, like tangentially or like directly with the horrible things that are going on. So to see a child discover their dead dog in the sandbox, that's always a little wild for me. So this uh, really, start off the movie on a good note yeah (laughs) yeah it's probably a good time to warn anybody who might be thinking of going and watching this film that there are a fair number of uh 
half dogs and third dogs that yeah. make an yeah. appearance in mm-hmm. this film. Uh, and it's kind of it's kind of a classic horror thing. I mean, if you want to, you know, have a, a, a monster, you have them kill an adult. If you want that monster to be uh, you know, an, an evil monster. You have it uh, take out a kid, and if you if you want it to be utterly irredeemable, you have it take out a dog. And uh, there are yeah. at least three or four dead dogs in this film. Mm-hmm. So you the should nice be prepared thing, for though, that. Is that you don't ever really get to know the dogs except for one. Poor, that, poor Norman. But then you don't even see that body. So like it's still, uh, it's hard to say like a respect towards the animals. But, like, you haven't really bonded. It's not John Wick. You're not, like, really, like, honing in on the relationship between the dogs. And it's very f- fake looking. So it, it ends up being okay for myself. It's extremely over the top and schlocky, which is one of the ways that, like, as someone who loves horror, when I approach a horror movie like this, that, you know, something genuinely horrifying is happening. But one of the ways that I personally distance myself from it in order to feel, like, okay is to like kind of laugh at how over the top and ridiculous the effects are and the creative decisions to have you know buckets of blood and like guts and things like like that's one of the ways that a horror movie can be over the top enough to be ridiculous and i think this movie does that very well Mm -hmm. what's happening obviously is there there are dog killings happening in the suburbs so there's some the, the undercurrent of horror is there from the very beginning as they discovered the dead dog, Mom runs to the front of the house screaming, It got Baxter! Yeah, and there are hockey players across the street who are laughing and laughing. <laughs> yes. yes, the boys playing in the street look up briefly with concern before happily going back to their hockey game, as all good Canadians must. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's, That's not right. my dog. Do That's not right. interrupt the hockey. Nobody liked no. that dog. Except for cars. So, Car. um, but, but across the street in the garage, looking on as a girl, it is one of our uh, sisters, Bridget and Ginger Fitzgerald, they are uh, obsessed with death. They talk about uh, about killing themselves. They pose yeah. in pictures where they're they're like with blood and and uh, or hanging or other things. They are uh, teenagers who are uh, wearing dark clothing and obsessed with uh, morbid yes. thoughts. As uh, that's a type. That's a type. So that's it who they soon, are. Soon becomes very clear that these girls are goths. They scowl a lot. They mm-hmm. dress like depressed raggedy Anns. Uh, their basement. I think they're their creative, basement, channeling their creative outlet into Polaroids of them in various death poses is kind of funny and cool. It's well, pretty good. It, it, yeah, it was very creative, and they used. Um, so it looked like the the projects, the photos for the project weren't actually the Polaroids. It looks like that they were on the film camera, mm, and that's right, right, because were they really they, well done because they make a slideshow for school, and the teacher yep. is sick and sends them to the office, which is uh, great. I I love our introduction to Bridget, who is a wonderful character. And the first time we see her, she's emerging from her garage carrying a chainsaw, an extension cord, a gas can, and a (laughs) blowtorch. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Just the things you might need. If you're going to stage a bunch of pictures of your, uh, you and your sister in various states of death and and decay, then uh, you're going to have to have those props. But what's, what's interesting about this scene is it, it, does seem initially, particularly when they walk in and, and Ginger is sort of working on her wrist with the knife before <laughs> before announcing wrists are for girls, I'm slitting my throat, <laughs> that it does sound like they've made a suicide pact here and they're about to go through with it. And uh, it's it turns out it's more of an open ended pact. Yes, it does. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, it's 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 clear that they've talked about this before. I mean, they clasp hands, and the camera makes a point of showing us that both of them have scars on their hands where they've previously made blood vows with each other. Um, so yeah, for a moment there, you think, oh, they're going to commit suicide, and I'm going to be forced to watch this. And then we cut to a scene of Ginger impaled on a white picket fence, uh, smeared in blood. And for a moment, you think, oh my God, they actually went through with it. And then you hear Bridget off camera say, too much blood. And I can see your gaunch. Yep. <laughs> These scenes were really hard to watch and I didn't really enjoy it. And if they were going for comedy here, that's great. That's fine. I would have preferred to have this later in the movie where we had more like more of a connection with the characters before we like laughed at this. Because this is a difficult thing to laugh at even if we know the characters. But to do this almost immediately with no context was a hard watch. It really informed the rest of the movie for me and it took a lot to get past, but I enjoy the rest of this movie. For well, sure. this is this is your quick introduction to the headspace that both of these girls are in. And it's, uh, you know, it's shorthand and it, I admit it's a bit jarring, but, uh, you know, it's it's a very quick way to, to let you understand what they're all about. I agree. I agree with Brian. I was like, it was sort of funny just because it was a little over the top, but it did make them a little harder to empathize um, with the sisters mm-hmm. for me. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I see what they're doing here, which is they want to do the twist on you, which is, oh, mm-hmm. but they're faking it all for a presentation. And, oh, there's this whole other level there. But it is a little bit uh, distancing from from them and and from the film at the beginning and then the, i feel like the movie actually has to work a bit to get bridget back in my good graces as the movie which it does but uh you know i think uh, it's a choice it's a choice they did the the little the little twist got a laugh out of me in the with the uh showing the slideshow in the schools but but i'm not sure it was worth it well i wonder how much of it too was um on purpose to kind of bring you along in this journey kind of like every these other characters that you meet along the way as they try and get to know ginger and bridget um because of course they're just these crazy kids and then as as stuff happens especially with sam how he's like really put off and then starts to grow into it so it's kind of like as the audience you're not immediately made to oh, this is obviously the main character. We're going to love them. We're going to like go along with it. It's more of a complex like journey to allow you into this space, but still have like this, this very jarring, obviously jarring um, situation. But you also know that it's for, by the time you see the laughing, um, in my mind, you are like, okay, let's go with this. I I thought it was well done. Yeah, I think it's deliberately off-putting. I mean, the journey that Bridget makes, at least throughout this film, is going from death-obsessed and seeing, like, images of her own suicide as entertainment to actually wanting to live and realizing how ridiculous that point of view is. Yeah. And uh, so this, I think, is supposed to... (laughs) turn you off in a way, you know, because you're like, wow, this is really what you're about, huh? Okay, let's take a momentary break from our spooky discussion of Ginger Snaps to tell you about our sponsor, Moo. Moo is not a werewolf that will kill cows. Moo is an online print and design company specializing in customizable business cards, postcards, stickers, and more for your business 
And if you're new to Moo, you can order a free sample pack on their website, Moo.com, so you can see what their products look like. You can hold them in your hand. I use business cards from Moo. They are great. They're thick. They're shiny. They are multicolored. I have different colors, six of them for my six colors business cards. They're great. Moo offers a full suite of products. Business cards, yes, but also postcards, invitations, letterhead, stickers, flyers. You can seamlessly promote yourself and your brand and count on their quality with beautiful finishes like gold and silver foil, raised spot gloss, letterpress. It's these little touches that make you stand out. And if you don't fancy designing your own card, guess what? Moo has rolled out new templates for business cards inspired by the most creative customers. And they have luxurious hardcover notebooks with a Swiss binding. Every page lays flat. They're made with premium paper protected by a tough tactile cover. Beautiful, great giveaway. I have a I have a notebook like that. It's so good. And it's got your logo on it. Perfect. Go to moo.com. Use the code printmoo to get 15% off orders of $50 or more. That's moo.com and the code printmoo for 15% off any order of $50 or more. Thank you to Moo for supporting the incomparable. Our our next the next thing I wanted to mention anyway is uh they're uh, they're out in the field. We get the social dynamics of the high school, I think. And, and again, I don't know if this is Canada or not, but I was I was amused by the fact that during PE class, the girls are just smoking a cigarette yes. while they're waiting for their turn to play soccer, uh, while uh, while imagining the de- the horrible deaths of all the popular girls. Yeah. I mean, they were kind of trying to hide the cigarette. Kind, so kind of, but I like, mean, not, not very well. <laughs> no, but it wasn't like blatantly, hey. I, I should I should point out it's not soccer they're playing. This is more clear evidence that we're in Canada, mm-hmm. which yes. is that the girls are playing field hockey. Is it hockey, field hockey? All right. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and nobody is. is standing there saying, what the hell is field hockey? Ah, and therefore <laughs> it must be Canada. Well, I, I'd say maybe nobody is noticing that they're smoking because they're not paying attention to anything because apparently there's a horrible body of a dead dog <laughs> On the field, <laughs> just magically appears. Great, and you miss until you trip on and it, and nobody has noticed this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Second note of like continuity and reality in a movie about werewolves that I had a comment on. <laughs> There's literally a destroyed dead dog corpse on the field. A huge dog. That the moment that the girls are are asked to switch out and play, they they step right over it, but. Um, but nobody noticed it before then. Uh, yeah. And I wrote down in my notes, eh, I guess that's uh, Canada. Is that right? And that it's like pretty much there's dead animals in places and whatever. It's like roadkill. It's how we get our dinner. <laughs> and we do smoke constantly. Oh, there you yeah. go. Well, I mean, it's Canada yes. again. This again Obviously. is just life with the beast of Bailey Downs. This is the fourth dog this week. It's become commonplace. The kids sure. don't, they go back to their hockey game. You know, it's, yeah, it's this just is just part dead of dog, I guess. It's just yeah. part of it. Everybody reacts to it right there in the moment. But uh, yeah, also Ginger's back hurts at this point, which is yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, This is the scene where, um, yeah, as they're standing around waiting to play, they're playing Search and Destroy, which basically involves saying horrible things about uh, the popular girl, who is Trina Sinclair, who we meet here. Mm-hmm. And um, she, of course, overhears what they're saying, or her friend does, and then Bridget gets checked face first into the half-eaten dog. But Trina will come back later, so I think it makes sense to mention her here. Yep, she will. She'll be back. Yes. Oh, will she? Um, <laughs> let's see. So we meet Mom. Mom is Mimi Rogers, the one actor in this whole movie who I recognize. Uh, she's wonderful. Oh, but the teacher, you guys didn't recognize the teacher? No. Mr. Wayne? Nope. Oh, see, he is like quintessential. He's in like every Canadian TV mm. show up there. I'm surprised he hasn't, he wasn't in Orphan Black because he is in 
everything. I'm sure I, if I if I'd been playing paying closer attention and imagined him in an Air Force uniform, he was in Stargate probably. Because again, every Canadian Possibly. actor was in Stargate. He's, he's a regular in like Murdoch Mysteries. Uh, I don't know. He's he had a so the yeah, Da Vinci's the Inquest. Was he in the we list 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 Canadian TV show? No, we shouldn't do that. I don't I don't even know his name. I'm just like, oh, it's that it's guy. It's that guy. Yeah, he's, a, he's, he's in all. Kel- he's in everything. Kellen He's Kelly, in Caillou. He's he's Kelly. the uh, yeah. See, he's the Canadian. Uh, hey, it's that guy. It's good. Anyway, Mimi <laughs> Rogers. Uh, mom, she's got a kind of a weird relationship with her husband. We learn that they're in therapy. Uh, she later plots the, the to burn down their house and is not really concerned <laughs> right. about if her husband is in it or not. She's going to leave with the girls. Well, she's not going to burn up the husband. She's just saying that he'll. he's just going to say that it's her fault. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's going to burn it down. The way I read did. that was that she didn't really care whether he was in the house or not. She yeah. was just going to burn down yeah. the house and leave with well, the girls. She's got to protect the kids. Yeah, so that's I read her, that that's too. her first. But uh, but we just we we meet her here, um, and and they plot to kidnap the Trina Sinclair's dog. They're going to head out with their bag of intestines. Yes, but instead they find another dog, and Ginger right. gets her first period, and then they're attacked by a monster. A, a creature from out of the woods and and ginger's brought into the woods and uh bridget has to run in after her and she's screaming and uh she runs in after and this is a pretty intense scene where there's a a monster a creature that's a wolf-like creature and uh and uh although ginger is wounded and bitten that seems relevant uh she she does they, they do manage to escape and get out uh back onto the road and uh, Sam, our local drug dealer, who is... And botanist. <laughs> He's multi-talented. One of the more uh, sympathetic drug dealer in a mm-hmm. van characters you'll find in a movie, uh, <laughs> runs over the werewolf that has been attacking them. <laughs> and uh, and Ginger's okay, because guess what, folks? Whatever happened to her in there, now she has magic healing abilities. I'm sure it's fine. It'll be fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. I enjoy that the drug dealer is the one to hit the car because it's a fun, you know, law of conservation of drug dealers. It's a really mm-hmm. great moment where uh, you, you can see, like, the fiasco board that they wrote to script out this movie <laughs> almost. Because the popular girl, what is it, the popular girl thinks that she's got a thing with him, but he pretends that she isn't alive. Um, mm-hmm. And we, that's how we meet him. And then and then we see him here and he's... Uh, he's uh, it also really, really interesting that there's the whole, I mean, he comes back later, like, he immediately thinks that he hit a werewolf, which I think is funny, because, like, that's a big leap, but he's, he's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is Canada. He's, he's not wrong, right? He's not wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's sort of Canadian Christian Slater, too, which is. Yes. <laughs> It's kind of, I it's, can it's, see that. He fits in this yeah. movie well because right. it reminds me in some ways of Heather's and just how you know irreverent it is. Mm. I, I I really like this uh, this werewolf attack scene. I think it's very effective. Um, yeah, you know they're yes. on, they're, they've just decided they're going to give up on trying to uh, take pictures of Trina's dog covered in intestines that they happen to still have <laughs> from their photo project, <laughs> um, and uh, of course. Ginger gets the curse right then and there, which theoretically a- attracts the creature in the first place. Although it may be the bag of intestines, who knows? We'll never know. <laughs> and no, it was definitely the menstrual blood. It was like Kathy. Were you were you not always like told that animals could smell you when you were in your period? Oh yeah, absolutely. Or, yeah, I mean, like that's a thing. Yeah, I remember there was a music video or a movie or something where someone one of the female characters was interacting with a lion or a tiger or something and they ended up having mm-hmm. to do a body double because she was menstruating was it was it Madonna 
in like I don't know. I can't one remember. Of, one but of, one of those feel, things. But it was it was hardcore, like very serious. Don't go to the zoo if you're on your period. <laughs> yeah, stay away from animals. They'll follow you. So yes. this fits in like female body lore. And they actually name check that later because they're talking about a bear mm-hmm. that theoretically attacks people when they're on their period. If, and, uh, if, yeah. if there's a werewolf yeah. in the woods, don't go uh, by the woods. Yeah, yeah. No, and don't, don't chase do after your sister screaming mm, for them if yeah. they get pulled in. But I feel like. You know, they read the script. They knew that that's what they had to do. <laughs> well, I, the great thing about this scene is that the the thing comes out of nowhere. Bridget gets knocked over, and when she gets up, Ginger's just gone. Yeah, yeah. and they're out in the middle of the playground. There's nothing. The forest is a ways away, but this thing is so fast and so vicious. It has already dragged her off. Into and she's the woods. screaming from far away. She can hear the but, screams. Well, initially you don't hear anything, which is even creepier. Yeah. But she gets up, and eventually she hears the scream. She's disoriented, so she just runs towards it. Um, you know, much much screaming and uh, and quick cutting ensues. We get very minimal glimpses of the creature, which is very smart. It's always smart in a movie like this. Yes. And, yes. Uh, Unfortunately, they don't adhere to that later, but uh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for now, it's great. But yeah, the 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 panic in this scene is well done. Um, you know, Ginger uh, Bridget actually ends up uh, getting it to release Ginger by whacking it with her Polaroid, uh, which dazes it enough to allow them to run away. And then uh, then yeah, they they they're saved by the drug dealer in his van which is a <laughs> Texas lot of Chainsaw Massacre does this thing where they're running through the woods but the bad guy and the victim are running at the exact same pace so like nothing happens for a good 10 minutes as they're chasing each other and what I love about this scene is that things are actually happening you know Ginger actually gets captured and Bridget actually you know hits the monster and they run away there's actual stakes to things because it's not just oops scary glimpse of the monster like this is actually affecting the characters in a way that most other horror movies don't tend to have the guts to do to their main characters this early in the movie and i really appreciated that and because of the the whole legacy thing of of the werewolf bites you and then you become a werewolf they can manage to have the monster of this part of the movie get revealed and killed because there will be another monster, right? We all know there's going to be <laughs> yeah. another yeah. monster, so they can afford to bring it out into the light a little bit and have it get hit by a drug dealer's van. Into the headlines. Yeah, yeah I was actually wondering, uh, I was expecting them to have uh, not actually killed the werewolf, mm. the, the mm-hmm. first monster. I was expecting him to come back later um, and like take away his werewolf bride or something i don't know (laughs) who knows what's gonna happen when sam gets out of his van though it's pretty clear there's there's not much chance of that thing recovering no it's it's pretty healing powers it's 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 into little pieces like he steps on a piece of it actually he steps on a piece which i'm afraid he might be referencing later when he talks about how he identified it as a werewolf but uh, i've never paused it long enough to check yeah and the be. van's covered in blood because there's like a fountain of blood when it hits it. It's a delightful horror movie scene. <laughs> <laughs> but we're so used to things coming back. Yeah, you know? that's true. It's like nothing ever dies, does it? Things accelerate from here for Ginger. So Ginger, is, ha- at following the bite, is um, is her personality is changing. Um, there, There's more sister drama. But, but Jason, is it the bite? 
Or is it the curse? Ooh. Mm-hmm. This is the mm, indeed, indeed. The story. Uh, there is a moment where uh, where the movie's like, get it, get it. We're like, yeah, uh, 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 yeah. We, we got we it. We picked it up. We, well, the very we, next scene is them going tampon shopping. It's just a little on the nose. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there's some sister uh, drama, and you wanted to be me, and all of those things. But you know, when Ginger gets to school, she is different. The boys all notice. Um, and the, you know, this is going on where, you know, it, it's the new ginger and Bridget feels disaffected from her a, a little bit, but, but wait, before we, it can go much further, uh, Sam, the drug dealer pulls Bridget aside and says, I've been looking for you everywhere. <laughs> he says, what was that? I think it might've been a lycanthrope, he says, because he has been <laughs> studying the ancient texts, I suppose. Yes. And uh-huh. uh, and and has her has her Polaroid. So they're they're like we've got our now our axis of like the the hero team who's going to try to figure out what's going on here while uh, while Ginger is just getting hot and heavy uh, with a boy and 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 then biting him and and uh, you know and, and then there's a, like a misdirect where you think maybe she killed a boy but she has actually killed a dog and there's a whole thing that it's going on there. I tend to not enjoy when characters in a movie are trying to figure out, like, what is happening? I don't know what's happening. I don't know. What do you think? And on the other side of that, it was a little weird to have Lycanthrope thrown out so early in this. But we do get to see a lot of really enjoyable scenes of Ginger trying to figure out, is this puberty or is this lycanthropy? I don't know. Sam almost dropped this big word because obviously no one else knows about a lycanthrope. Yeah, who's ever heard that word? Yeah. And so (laughs) when uh, Bridget pulls out the, oh, yeah, it's a werewolf, you know, it must be a werewolf or whatever. Apparently, that's the only use of the word werewolf werewolf in the entire movie and so it's it's interesting that she's just like oh yeah well i got this and he's just like whoa someone that is on the same level as me brain wise or something i don't know that that connection was really interesting to me i think this might also be the scene where they point out that they're aware that they are not following traditional werewolf lore because I, I think Bridget says something along the lines of, well, I didn't see any silver bullets. And he said, well, my, my van, you know, pretty clearly did a number on it. So obviously yes. the lore is not correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Don't follow the they don't follow the Hollywood rules, I think. Uh, ah, yeah, that's yeah. right. I thought the twist was going to be that there was like a silver plated Chevy logo on the front or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take another break here and uh, we'll be back with more Ginger Snaps in a minute. But first, let me tell you about our next sponsor. It's Hrefs. Whether you work for a big brand, run your own small business, or do freelance work, getting traffic to your website is always a challenge. There's so much competition on the internet. Hrefs is an all-in-one SEO tool set that solves the problem, giving you the tools you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. Now, I have always considered search engines a mystery. Sometimes they benefit me, sometimes they don't. But Hrefs can help you. Hrefs uncovers how your competitors are getting traffic and why. You can see the pages and content that send them those traffic, and you can get estimated search volumes with the keyword explorer tool, so you can see how well a piece of content is likely to perform before you write it. Hrefs has a ton of useful stuff. There's Content Explorer, helps you find guest blogging opportunities. Rank Tracker lets you track your progress on keywords. It'll even pick up broken backlinks and help you fix them. Take the mystery out of SEO by going to Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com right now. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com. Sign up for their seven-day trial. Just $7, a dollar a day. 
What a bargain. Get reports on your website. See what's performing well. Figure out your next move with Ahrefs. Whether you have a personal website you want to get a following on or your company needs more traffic to convert into sales, go there now, ahrefs.com. That's a reference to HTML code. Get that $7 trial. Thank you to Ahrefs for supporting The Incomparable. We get some attempts to figure out werewolf stuff here. And this is not a traditional werewolf, right? I mean, I, I think we might as well say, like, my understanding about the traditional werewolf thing is you you are a wolf. Again, it goes to the menstruation thing. It's, it's a, a monthly cycle where you become a wolf and then you're not a wolf anymore. And this, it just disposes of that at all. Like, as far as Ginger Snaps is concerned, you get bitten by a big wolf monster, you turn into one, and then you are one. And that's yep. basically yeah. it. You just, have, you just got turned into a monster. Which makes a lot more sense when you've seen a million werewolf transit trans transition scenes. But how do you, you go wonder, back from that? How are you going to pack that thing back into a skin? You know, a lot, that just yeah. There's off. a lot of shaving that has to happen. Uh, which brings us to the scene where uh, Bridget follows Ginger into the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> where she's upset about something, which turns out to be that the claw scars on her shoulder are growing bushy white fur. Uh-huh. Right. Which, <laughs> well, there's her problem. <laughs> uh, Sam has some suggestions. He, he's a he's an idea man. This drug dealer in a van. Uh, one is to do a do it yourself navel piercing with a silver ring in case the silver might cure her. That has, <laughs> I, and I'm going to quote Wikipedia here because this delighted me because I've got it in my notes as well. That didn't work, but w- Wikipedia just says it proves ineffective. Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> it, it does. <laughs> Sam plants another seed, which is that there's this uh, the, a plant called uh, monk's hood, which is like wolf's bane and it's around but it only grows in the spring and so therefore they won't yes. be able to do that but that comes back but he's planted it anyway because sam is the town landscaper which is a yes. convenient contrivance that the plot has seen fit to make landscaper he does have a drug great dealer. green thumb That's he right. does he's good at growing stuff for he sure deals in all various uh, forms of trees <laughs> to, to me it also made sense as to why mom was dressed like a 1980s mom who liked a lot of uh, floral arranging with dried flowers. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's like, oh, that's why she looks like a 1980s mom because she needed to be into 1980s hobbies. Yes. I really, I uh, had to look at the date that this movie came out a couple times yeah. to just remind myself. Uh, and then I remembered that it was Canada. So that made a little more, more sense. Oh, oh <laughs> Kathy, we I were not you. dressing like that. <laughs> in 2000, she still looked like a 1980s mom. I mean, keep in mind that Pamela, as as the girls see fit to call their mom, uh, is is intended to be as unhip as humanly possible. Yes. So the fact that she'd be carting around dried flowers and gleefully waving them at the girls mm-hmm. from the back of her car. But also her outfits were so out of date. Well, sure. Yes, the she hair. probably knitted mm-hmm. them herself. So this is one of the things that, uh, to bring it to Orphan Black, Kathy, is like, this is, you know, I love Allison. Yes. Who is so the suburban housewife clone in Orphan Black. Spoiler, Orphan Black is about clones. It's about clones. Just... There's different clones and, and, and Allison mm-hmm. is, is one who's a suburban housewife. The and, best one. And that my favorite things in that show involve her um, because the whole idea is she's got it all together, but she's, she's so... Uh, like buttoned up tight that it only takes like a very slight jab and she just bursts at the seams and is just completely out of control <laughs> in this perfect yes. everything is in its right place all the floral arrangement all the dried flowers are in their vases you know everything kind of thing so I was reminded of that watching Mimi Rogers in in uh, Ginger Snaps it's the same kind of idea which is scratch lightly on the surface of the perfect suburban life and you will find 
a disaster. <laughs> That's what they're saying. <laughs> and yet, just like Allison would do in the future, Mimi Rogers comes in and when uh, stuff hits the fan, she's like, all right, let's burn down the house. Right? We'll go away together. <laughs> yeah, this like, is She steps up. Very much, yes. very much like that character in Orphan Black. It's the same kind of thing, which is like, you yes. know, it's not, she's got, she's got more going on under the surface, but she's trying to, she's been putting her powers toward keeping it all together. And then when it goes sideways, she's like, all right, I'm going to get out my shotgun now or whatever. And you're well, like, what go. is happening? Yeah, exactly. Is that one of the clones that's played by Tatiana Maslany? Yes. Yes. Oh, well, there's another through line then because she has a very plum role in Ginger Snaps 2 Unleashed. Uh, oh my God. You can check that out. Yeah. Next Halloween. Mimi Rogers gives us 110%. It is so delightful to see her ham it up and be like the geekiest yes. mom. She's great. And I, I love the way they play her, you know, like as she's about to discover some of the things that they're up to, like Bridget will drop a, oh, Ginger likes that you let us figure things out for ourselves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, really? I thought that might have been working. It's great. Always cooking them the perfect meal for whatever scenario. Oh, it's your favorite Happy Woman Day. It's so yes. wild. Oh, the worst thing about that, though, is it's like a strawberry covered thing that's just yeah. dripping red. Yeah. On the so, mm, yeah. I think it was purposeful. It's probably in it the, has to the magazine article that she read mm-hmm. uh, that talked about, you know, how to celebrate Women's Day. <laughs> Uh, Defuse the situation by making a gooey red strawberry pie. (laughs) Symbolic. What could go wrong? It's all good. Serve it on white plates. Um, And always talk about menstruation in front of dad. Yes, mm-hmm. dad right. is. Dad makes me laugh too. He's clearly just completely checked out, and the only yeah. the only real acting he has to do is look disturbed by the things that are going on around him. <laughs> again, mm-hmm. again, kind of of a same theme as Donnie, uh-huh. the husband, and Orphan Black, Allison's husband. It's a similar kind, yes. of, mm-hmm. kind of thing going on there too. Also, another familiar Canadian actor. Also, don't know his name. Nope. <laughs> but he's in lots of stuff. So, so some other stuff happens in here. Um, Ginger beats the crap out of the popular girl. Uh, the boyfriend uh, that she had sex with uh, is urinating blood. Yeah. Mm. Should have oh. used that condom. You now have a sexually transmitted lycanthropy. Mm-hmm. Sorry. The condom that was delivered by the nurse in the school. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yes. The uh, Ginger has has had to tape up her tail so that it doesn't reveal itself because she's growing a tail. Um, also, she has a. a Apparently a dewclaw coming out of her ankle. Yes. That is a bad, so bad, bad, bad sign. That was ridiculous. I do, I do love the scene where Bridget sneaks over uh, under cover of darkness to check to see if Ginger's growing a tail, and she's got this <laughs> tiny little tail, and yes. it sort of wags a little, oh, which is just tail. amazing. <laughs> which I, I, I wonder if so. There is multiple scenes with a similar tale in Orphan Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, I promise I'm not always going to be talking about Orphan Black in this episode, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, it. I wonder if the feedback from the show about this tale inspired them to bring it into the show. Uh, just because it's so terrible, <laughs> like gross. Yeah. It's awful. Because it's, it's it's not like a awful. it's not like a bushy animal tale. It's like a real mm-hmm. extruded no, it's like a fleshy extension of oh. her spine. Yes. Oh. It's so bad. Oh, how, you, how you would imagine a human tail would actually be. Yeah. 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 But they've also accentuated her, her lower vertebra in that scene. So, mm-hmm. you know, like more things are starting to grow out the back. Welcome to puberty. Yes. But yeah, the, 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 the kicker is when they have to tape down her tail because they're oh going to go gosh. play field hockey again. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's sort of straining against the the gaffer tape that they're using to try and hold it in place. I read, oh, yeah, I read a lot of reviews nice. that uh, that compared the effects in this movie to Cronenberg, and you can see a lot of the fly in the way they designed oh, the yeah. uh, the werewolf. Yeah. More stuff. Canadians. Hey. Mm. Mm-hmm. My other favorite thing about the uh, the boy that she had sex with peeing blood is that in the scene where he he, he pees blood, it's a very shocking ah scene, and he runs out of the bathroom terrified and holding his groin and telling people my pen burst and my pocket yes. is a red pen oh man and i love the juxtaposition of puberty affecting ginger in this really confident way and then puberty the metaphor for puberty affecting this boy in like the worst possible I had, way it's a red <laughs> pen you got red, red on you pen. Yeah. yeah well i mean he's such a little turd bag too oh, you know? like, <laughs> he really is he's been spending all of the pe periods like sitting with his equally turd baggy friends Mm -hmm. you know checking out ginger and all the other girls and of course although ginger basically kicks his ass when they have their sexual experience he he comes out and brags about his great conquest to his friends which yeah it's just like uh so you know he gets what's coming to him when when his his pen explodes yeah that's right his pen (laughs) of course some would say not he deserves more yeah yeah this this is true we'll we'll get to his his ultimate fate so um Next, an amazing scene happens, which is the mean girl who we have already already met, Trina, uh, mm-hmm. comes by the house. She is jealous of the fact that uh, her pretend imaginary boyfriend, uh, who is Sam, has been seen seeking out uh, Bridget and... Uh, Ginger does not react well to this and is basically going to kill her, but uh, it's not a problem. Instead, Trina slips on her own <laughs> barf and dies, <laughs> I think. I think it's um, the milk. Is it it's the... spilled milk. Yes, there may, milk. there may be barf mixed in there, oh, too. She was barfing, point. too, and she was chunks. barfing up milk, and it's got the chunks and all that. But anyway, it's on the floor, and that's how she dies, is she slips on it and then does the old, you know, the old uh, head a little bit to the side of a counter and smashy, smashy, and then she's... Uh, I mean, She's it's a dead. nice granite countertop. So. It is. It's and the very blood nice. mixes with the milk yeah. in a really evocative way. Yeah, and and of course, immediately it's the the girls, and this is leads to both uh, kind of a brilliant move and also a just a hilarious moment in this movie, which is oh they pretend they decide to pretend that it's a uh, <laughs> a, a fake death. So they uh, they the mom is coming in like as the dead body is there and what's they're going to do. And it turns out what they do is they put her in the freezer, but we don't see that for a little bit. And they, and then they lay down, Bridget lays down in the blood and they pretend that they're doing more of their fake death photographs, and they're like, "Uh, oh, whatever." Click, yeah. No deaths yeah. in the girls. house. It's the classic popular girl cadaver switcheroo. Uh-huh. <laughs> Everyone's lived that. Meanwhile, one. distract mom when she's putting the frozen peas into yes. the into the uh, the uh, the the freezer that's in the back of the house because that's one of those you know one of those big long freezers that's like a coffin. We had one of those when I was a kid, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. and you had to distract her a little bit, so she just tosses in the frozen peas or whatever, and doesn't notice that there's a dead body in there and again bridget plays her like a stradivarius she asks her what do guys want (laughs) (laughs) i need some advice Mom. Cut to <laughs> obviously very later. Finishing up their discussion, and it's very clear it's been going on for quite a long while. The body is rock solid by the time <laughs> yeah. you push it out. So, yeah, there's, yeah. A whole, there's a whole ribeye Trina bird's eye peas iceberg that's going on by the time they're done with their <laughs> Indeed. Talk. So they have to they have to like ice pick her out and they knock off a couple of fingers, and that comes back later because the fingers are left in the backyard. Oh, that's one of my favorite bits, though. 
Mm-hmm. Fingers? The, fi- the fingers are your favorite bits? <laughs> we don't see the actual action. We just, we see the view from within the uh, the freezer looking up and and Bridget's ticked off because now they've got to chip her out of the iceberg. And so Ginger goes and gets a screwdriver. We see her reach in towards us because we're in the freezer, of course. You you hear some ice chips moving around and then you hear a ka-chunk. Oh. <laughs> and Bridget looks annoyed and then Ginger just looks at her and goes, Way to go. <laughs> so at this point, I wrote in my notes, the title of this movie should have been, So My Sister's a Werewolf. <laughs> because that's basically what I realized the movie is. I didn't know going in exactly what the arc would be. And now I realize it's, is my sister turned into a werewolf and I have to fix all of her problems. Yes. Um, and, that, mm-hmm. and, and we have reached that point in the movie. Although I do appreciate the immediate plan here of... Uh, of how they can they can hide the body uh, in a shallow grave, uh, which, as they say, is appropriate for her. Oh, oh zing, popular girl. And uh, <laughs> because, and I quote, nobody thinks chicks do things like this. So this is like, mm-hmm. there are no women uh, serial killers, so we're going to get away with this. We just have to lay yeah. low. Um, there are werewolf killers, though, but yeah. We can only be sluts, teases, or the virgin next door or something right? along those lines. Not yep. the killers. That's a good, yeah, good, good moment, right? Of like, we know how these, how these movies and these stories work, right? So they're going to use it. Let's use it to our advantage, I think one of them says, which is great. The boyfriend, meanwhile, is definitely infected. He's really, uh, he, he really wants to find Ginger. Um, meanwhile, Bridget is really trying to find a cure. So she, she, uh, Br- Ginger is in the bathroom and basically she, um, puts a, a wood beam against the door or something to lock her in there. Um, in order to go find Sam and see if they can find some other, some cure, which it turns well, out. At, at this point, they found she's noticed the dried monk's hood that Pam has brought yes. into their house. Yes, so, so they have dried versions of that flower that's only from the spring. The, the dried flowers are there. So Sam can make it into a uh, a potion, basically like a tea kind of thing, but then they put it in a syringe and it's like, you, you know, it might work, it might not. They're not sure. They might have to kill her to save her, but they got to give it a shot. So uh, that's all happening. However, I will say I really kind of admire Bridget's optimism that uh, a wood beam against the door is going to protect is going to keep the door closed from a werewolf because I'm like you just <laughs> smash she's just going to smash the rest of the door right and that yeah. I mean is it lasted what pretty long it though does. it does mm-hmm. it works yeah there's quite a long scene of her you know literally feeling like a caged animal and she's trying to bash and scratch her way out while while they're busily cooking up some monk's hood junk at Sam's yeah, yeah. greenhouse and this right. is the why spoon, they the had to have Sam be a drug dealer so he knows mm-hmm. how to prepare sure I mean he could and, have been a science nerd or something but they went the other way yeah. Yeah. Well, he's also a, he's also a botanist. Remember, don't for don't, right, don't, right. Uh, he is a science nerd. Don't underplay sort of. his botany. But can we talk about how they they brew up enough for one batch? Right, <laughs> multiple. Like, why do they do this all the time? Two is one, <laughs> and like one this. is none. Come on, just one batch. That's all we'll need. Well, it's because she already thinks she's liable to potentially kill Ginger with this one dose. So the idea that she's going to go off and dose McCarty as well, I don't think even occurs they to haven't, her. They haven't planned for the fact that the boyfriend is also a werewolf. But of course, bad luck for them. Immediately, she but what runs... if it falls? What if it breaks? You know, like having a bit of spare. Just I mean, it's a plastic smart. syringe. You could chuck it under a staircase and it would still be right. there. True. Sure. <laughs> true. <laughs> Turns out. Fair. She's running after Ginger. She's returned home and discovered that Ginger, Ginger has escaped. busted out. Of course. Uh-huh. Uh, and she runs after her, but she is diverted by McCarty. Jason McCarty. Yes. Who's attacking a dog. Who is menacing an adorable Moppet who is dressed up as, you guessed it, a dog. Yes. So, I don't know what... (laughs) 
Karen Walton's got against dogs, but she can't even <laughs> let the little kid running out for Halloween be something else. In order to defend herself, in, in the end, Bridget uses her cure, experimental cure, on the boyfriend, which is actually um, kind of clever, right? Because if he dies, she gets another shot at it before she has to try yeah. and kill her sister. Uh, but what ends up happening is he he gets up and is like, oh, uh, I, I gotta go. I gotta go to class. And, and it's not like I'm cured. It's like, yeah, I, I'm kind of messed up, but I gotta go and I'm dazed. And so, you know, my reaction as a uh, as a viewer was like, well, maybe that worked. But like, I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure it worked, but, but it's promising. Um, but unfortunately, you're out of cure now. You're gonna, you're gonna need uh you're gonna need more of it meanwhile though bridge uh, uh ginger has gone to the high school and murdered the guidance counselor so yep. right <laughs> yeah that's yeah yeah and uh and the, and the janitor Real bad too and then and the nice janitor who uh who saved her earlier um yes. he he and also gave her something to wipe her face off when she fell into a dog he didn't deserve yeah. it no, no. guidance counselor sure but <laughs> but see this this is this is the deal where um, where we realize that Ginger has become so feral that she's almost over the edge at this point. Because yeah. Yeah. would you say that she snapped? Oh, oh. I would Dang. say that. Yeah, no. This is that moment. Because I actually think this is one of the things that is very clever about this movie is you what you think you're watching keeps changing. You're like, oh, it's going to be the girls are menaced, and then it's going to be, oh, well, she's going to turn into a werewolf part of the time, and they're going to have to deal with the cure. And then you're like, oh no she's a monster um and, at this, right. yeah. and, and maybe they can save her and at this point around in here you're like oh they, they're not gonna they're not gonna save her she's they gotta kill her she's a she's the bad bad you know big yeah, bad of this the, movie the monster. but we, yeah. we have to progress to get there at this point even if they do save her she's right she's gonna be in jail because there's no <laughs> at, at that point you know how are you gonna prove that you are a werewolf to anybody because you're not anymore and so at that point you know the the only opportunity left to them is to cure her and then go on the run yes which is the plan of yep. mom because at this point mom finds the fingers in the backyard she finds the corpse in the shallow grave and you're you're and she actually picks up bridget and this is when we get the sort of like i got a plan we're gonna burn down the house uh we're gonna you know that'll hide that'll hide the body we'll go on the run we, who knows where we'll go but we will first we'll, thing we'll... tomorrow i'll let the house fill up with gas and i'll <laughs> light a match she says without a moment's hesitation the fingers oh. are in a Tupperware container, the perfect mom container from the 90s. Oh, and yes. the best thing about that scene where she puts it in the Tupperware container, she pops them in and then she turns it quarter turn and she burps it. Yeah, she does. Well, <laughs> for freshness. <laughs> Classic. Because that's what you do. It's beautiful. I didn't mention, by the way, a, a detail on Ginger at this point when she's killing people in the high school is she's got one pupil that's different from the other. I thought that was a nice little touch of just, again, just othering her even more. Like she's... Her teeth are starting to change. Yeah, well, when we see Ginger next, it's like there's that... She goes to that party and it's like wicked costume, baby, somebody says to her. And it's like, that's the moment where I thought she has... She is no longer human. Like it is not even arguable that she's a human doing bad things. She is a monster at this point. And she goes and finds Sam... um, and 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 uh, this is we get the like uh, Bridget comes and she cuts her hand and they share blood and she's like, you know, now I am you. And uh, and 
Sam Sam hits her with a shovel over the head. She's like, what are you, what are you doing? I had a plan. And he's like, uh, I thought the plan was that I hit her with a shovel. By the way, at the party, she tries to seduce Sam, again, just to mess with Bridget. Yes. Yep. Uh, and we get to see her with her shirt open, and we get to see that she now has an extra set of nipples. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. she's gone a little further over the edge. I said beyond human now. Yep. Is this when the fake teeth start happening? Because the fake teeth are really distracting. They, they happen early. Mm-hmm. They happen actually. I think they the fake teeth earlier. are really early. Like that's one of the first hints that the same the... time that she starts getting the streaks of wolf hair. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah. at that point, like you could tell some of it was ADR, some of it they really didn't care about, and like yeah. it was difficult to listen to. <laughs> yeah. So we haven't talked a lot about the dynamic between the sisters here, but I, I want to highlight it a little bit here. There's a scene at the school where. Um, Ginger tries to browbeat Bridget into letting her infect her, but Bridget isn't having it. Uh, And Ginger uh, mentions the pact that they've had. And you kind of get a sense throughout this movie that in a lot of ways, Bridget has been sort of Ginger's puppet throughout much of her life. Uh, And Pamela mentions it at one point, too. No matter what she tells you to do, you always do it. And so I, I I always find that dynamic interesting between them and that the way it's acted. Part of it, too, is Bridget, uh, they're in the same grade because Bridget skipped a grade. Uh, presumably so she could be with Ginger. Right. And mm-hmm. because she was like, oh, let me get this smart. She's she's not a stupid girl. She's smart. So obviously she skipped a grade not just to be with Ginger, but also because she's smart enough to do it. And so like, oh, yes, let me be by my sister. But Ginger use that to her advantage in order to like oh yeah i'm always gonna have my sister around me we're gonna do this but i can also control her she can be the alpha yeah in the relationship yeah and one of the one of the most interesting things about that dynamic i think is when ginger you know starts to change and starts to pull away from bridget the uh you know the, the the shots of Bridget looking horribly hurt by the fact that she's sort of lording over her relationship with Jason McCarty you know yeah. uh are, are great I mean it's 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 kind of it's 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 really a little bit heartbreaking actually because she's such a disciple of her sister and then you know you can see Ginger sort of playing her as she probably has for the last 15 years and uh, I, I think that's one of the extra layers that uh, that makes this more than just kind of a silly horror movie for me yeah and it's really nice to see bridget really coming into her own for sure having the ability to turn around and be like oh okay here's the plans here's how i can keep people safe but also my sister safe not just uh oh i don't care who she kills as long as she's okay type of a thing so that leads us to our big uh, final set piece which is they uh they take ginger home but she turns into a full-on werewolf monster um they in the house so they are going to try to hurriedly make a new batch of the cure for her and i'm sitting there thinking guys she's too far gone but anyway they, they they're going to try <laughs> they're going to do their best to try and save ginger yeah well sam the voice of reason does suggest that maybe they just give her the cure and they take off and they, and they get out yeah exactly Bridget's right. not having it she's mm-hmm. she's still too tied to her sister exactly and so you end up with now what i would say is a a, a more straightforward monster movie 
experience where there are there are two people in a house they have a goal which is this thing that they can use to defeat the monster the monster is also in the house and you end up with you know they're they're hiding and they're they're stalking her and they go down into that base we get the un, you know kind of unfinished basement stuff which yep. is that moment of we're descending it's we're in the perfect veneer of the suburbs but then we descend and it's yes. a, a just a bloody mess down in the basement well, and of course <laughs> it had to end in the room that they shared of course. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what ends up happening is um, Sam, they, they get the they get the cure. Sam says he's going to go out because uh, because Bridget is is injured. He is immediately just attacked and dragged away by uh, Ginger. That didn't didn't really work out in a wonderfully effective scene. I should note they're they're cooking up the stuff in the pantry so they can sort of hide and also yeah. have access to the alcohol they need as a base for their concoction. They make their plans in the pantry. He opens the door and is immediately pulled out. The pantry door gets slammed shut. Yeah. And so our only view of what's potentially going on outside is the screaming and the growling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bridget watching it, the door sort of banging back and forth right. as he's being rended on the other side of it, and then a pool of blood that slowly spreads underneath the door. With the screaming just... and the growling and the hey, hey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> lady. There's a lot. Lady werewolf. There's a lot of the screaming and the growling. Yeah, that's right. No, it's horrifying. And it's one of those moments where he has decided to be heroic and he is immediately just gutted by this monster. Yeah. And we can't really see. He doesn't die right away because um, Bridget ends up with a syringe following the trail of the bloody trail where his body or whatever has been dragged along down into the basement. And he's still alive, although he's he's very injured. I don't think he's going to make yeah. it. It. Um, she tries to she tries to sort of like uh, drink some blood to like say like yes. look I'm like you we're 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 pals don't kill me um, but she can't she bar she she barfs it back up she just she can't do it and uh, Ginger it, kills uh, kills our our friend St- Sam and then tries to uh, you know chase down Bridget and they do end up in their room where uh, where Ginger leaps upon Bridget who's got the knife that was there from the failed attempt to cut off her tail and of course it's that thing where she leaps and the knife is out and she she inadvertently sort of just by holding the knife stabs ginger and uh and that's the end for for her and they're you know and the yeah. last scene is they're they're kind of laying together and and uh, ginger is dying as as uh in their room together and and then so what the what, what started with the fake you know faking deaths and talking about deaths and being obsessed with death with these two girls in their room ends with them in their room with the with the one uh dying and the other one having held the knife that did it yeah, a couple things about this whole sequence here, this whole 15-minute cat-and-mouse yeah, sequence, which is really really the only part of the movie that's just straight horror. Yeah. There's there's no comedy injected in this bit at all, and it's it's appropriate for the climax of the film. It actually, I mean, having recently seen Halloween, it reminded me of that, which is there's at the very end of the movie, there's the, you've got your 15-minute block that is like, okay, now all hell breaks loose. Right, and yeah, it follows the a, a definite template, yeah. Uh, a couple of things about this, this scene. Um, I wanted to mention the scene where uh, where Bridget tries to bond by lapping up some of Sam's blood, uh, resulting in this wonderfully grotesque image, um, which is probably, I think, the best composed shot in the film, which is Sam laying against the wall, slowly bleeding out, while the two sisters feed on either side of him. And it's just this super disturbing image that uh, that has stuck with me through the years that I really enjoy. Um, the other thing is this is this is the only bummer of the movie to me, which is this is not a huge budget production, 
and it really shows in the design of Wolf Ginger here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there are parts where it's very effective, uh, but there are scenes here where we just get way too close of a look at the design of this creature. Um, and I sympathize a little because they really need to have the creature be visible for some of these scenes because there's still the dynamic going on between Bridget and her. And without being able to see the creature's face, you know, there's you can't do so much of that. But it it uh, it takes me out of the horror a little bit to see how non-realistic some of the it's shots so of the wolf are. Rigid, yeah. The the plastic skin and the fact that there's no fur, like whatever, that's fine. That was a choice, but like it doesn't move. Like when she's breathing and trying, like as she's dying, it just. Like, yeah, she's breathing, but it just like it. You can just tell it's just a plastic suit. My thought was, is is she a werewolf or is she one of the, you know, terror dogs from Ghostbusters? Like that's. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's very similar. Right. It's a little more like that. I I think it's a testament to how well done the sort of horror of this scene is that it works at all, given that. But yeah, I mean, it definitely it hurts a little bit. Um, First time I watched it, it didn't bother me so much. On subsequent watches, I've been more and more kind of bothered by it. But Yeah, it uh, didn't bother me that much, but it felt like, you know, this is a low-budget thing. It didn't bother me that much, and yeah. I absolutely understood the story reason why we need so many close-ups of the creature's face, because this is sure. her freaking sister. It's a, it's a character, right? It's not just the monster. Right. It's a person who's well, turned yeah. into a monster. And you, you want to have those scenes where you get, as, a, as an audience member, you get the opportunity to look at the thing and see, is there any of Ginger left in there? Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's actually sort of helped by the fact that it never looks like anything other than an animatronic creature because (laughs) (laughs) there very definitely is not any of Ginger left in there. A couple other things about this scene. Wanted to mention there's what's really, I think, supposed to be the climax of the whole film, which is Bridget in the midst of her fight with Ginger shouting, I'm not dying in this room with you, which is the moment when she's Mm -hmm. she's broken from Ginger. Yeah. And she is her own person, and she's realized how foolish they've been, you know, always being death-obsessed and staging suicides and that sort of thing. And that I, I think that that's fairly powerful. It works really well for me anyway. Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole broader issue here is that is that after all of that talk at the beginning, what ends up happening is the one sister ends up with this horrible condition that's basically going to kill her. And the younger sister says... No, like, no, this is I know she talked about it and we we fantasized about it and all that. But when push comes to shove, she's like, no, I'm going to save my sister and she isn't able to do it. But yeah, um, that is, you know, that it, it, this is all about Bridget uh, coming of age and being her own person. Yep. Yeah. She, she also chooses life when it comes to it. Exactly. So she could have opted to die with her sister right. as a resolution. But she in that moment chooses to live. It, she gets herself infected deliberately. Yes. Yeah. But she has a cure. Or so she thinks. Or yeah. So she but thinks. I mean, yeah. I, I read the synopsis for the, the sequel. Yeah. Oh, no. We can talk <laughs> about the not. sequel later, but I, I prefer <laughs> to think of it as non-canon for a variety of reasons. <laughs> no, um, no, it's the idea that like they think they've got a cure. And in, in the end, since Ginger dies and, and they haven't used the cure, I, you know, the assumption there is that that's going to do it. And, and that's good enough to have that be the end of the movie and yeah. have it be resolved. Good, good when they made that pact, they, it was always about other people. Oh, this will be a great middle finger to all the other people. It was never about them. It was They were always mm-hmm. thinking about other people and the way that they'll be perceived after yeah. they've died. And seeing, like having her realize that her life is worth living 
in that sense, outside of Ginger's influence, outside of their big middle finger to society, that's where the growth is happening here because she doesn't want to die with her in this room. And and the two, the fact that like her mom was willing to do whatever it needed to do, I felt like that they really res- respected Pamela from that point. Like Bridget really was like, oh, you're just going to like leave dad and we'll just go. Okay, cool. Like, I don't think that she hated her mom as much. Yeah. She's like, stay in the car. <laughs> she yeah. heads out. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's clear in that scene, like the, the realization on her face that uh, she's mom is really talking about torching the house. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> I guess there's more to her than we thought. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention at the, in that final, the very final scene is, um, you know, after Ginger has landed on the knife, they take a moment that's a really nice moment where Bridget is winded and she's leaning against the wall. We see the unused syringe in her hand, which is, you know, the tragic, oh, wow, if she had only held that out instead of the knife, maybe we'd be looking at a different ending here. And they take the time to have her look up at the wall at the staged death photos they've got hanging up there. Mm -hmm. And you see her begin to kind of grasp the enormity of what death really means like she finally gets it you see a tear pour down her face and that's when she comes forward and she lays her head down on her dying sister and weeps and we pull back and fade to black and i I think that's a really so many horror movies end on some sort of a twist or something and i think that's just a really nice subtle and and somewhat moving way to end this whole saga yeah kids never grasp the enormity of the things they're thinking about or talking about until much later when they have more context for it. It's like, I was the most into the Saw movies that I ever was when I was way too young for them. And when I was, you know, like just, oh, wow, that's so cool. Look at all the plot things that are happening and all the fun traps. And rewatching them this year for Halloween, I'm thinking, ugh. I was into that. I watched that. Interesting. And it's because I didn't have the, like, proper amount of context for all of that. And I feel like that's what's happening to Bridget here, is that she's finally realizing, oh, this is the you know enormity of the situation. This is what's happening, and we just kind of turn it into a joke to prank our teacher. Ugh, okay. Uh, well, I guess we should go around with our first timers, especially, and ask how they uh, how they felt about watching about experiencing ginger snaps. Annette, let's start with you. What do you think? I I'm not sure. I usually I do like. <laughs> <laughs> I do like comedy horror like this. How how much horror do you watch, I guess, is a good first question. Are um, you a non-horror person I would generally? say medium amount. I didn't watch it when I was younger. It scared the crap out of me. And uh, yeah, so that I've watched more of it lately in the last like 10, 15 years. Okay. So there's I think lots that's important of, like, context. So. Yeah. yeah. And I, I sort of have this feeling of is this a feminist horror or isn't it? And I have a lot of thoughts and questions about that. Um, in being like, I love a show that's going to let me talk about menstruation on a podcast. Like yes. that's very cool. Um, but at the same time I'm going, but did she get her period and also sort of get punished for it and then get punished for having sex and giving out STDs yes. and going, is being it feminist? Is it not yeah. So I, I, I was really on the fence about, I feel like it meant to be feminist and I'm not sure that it fully executed. And I didn't know its relationship to Orphan Black. So I feel like their execution on feminist discussions got way better. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. So I'm going to give it a, hmm, okay. <laughs> that was, there's parts of it that I like. <laughs> I really liked Bridget and her arc and the sister's aspect of it. Um, but yeah, so I was just 
confused. And I actually went and read articles to go, what are other people? Because a lot of people say it is a feminist horror movie, and I'm not sure I agree. I, I give it like a C for feminism. C for feminism. All right. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, let's go to Kathy then. So, what, what was yeah. your what was your read on it? Yeah. Uh, so I I will start this by stating that I am not a horror movie fan. Mm-hmm. Um, in the the unfinished basement area, I may have kind of blacked out. I don't remember a lot of it Um, just because I was like, I'm going to be, look at me taking my notes. I'm taking notes on the Mm -hmm. other monitor. You watched this in the afternoon too, didn't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was in the (laughs) afternoon. It was bright, sunny. Mm -hmm. I had a kitten in my lap, like, and still I was just like, yep, not, not a big fan of that part of it. Uh, But I, and I agree with Annette that, the f- I could feel the idea of this mm-hmm. being a feminist movie. I was really impressed with the actual conversation about menstruation. Yes. That like a full blown, not just like, oh, you're on your period here. Here's a pad type of a thing. But like, let's explain what it is. And especially for a movie in 2000, mm-hmm. like the Internet is kind of a thing. But like people are using it for porn, not necessarily like what is wrong with me type of a thing. So like a movie like this would be great because they can, you you just like, let's spew this information out there. But again, the conversation, the slut mentality and Mm -hmm. the sexual politics and the sexual assaults that were happening, the verbal sexual assaults were just really like disturbing to me. Uh, Also a conversation about like diversity. There's only one person of not, visibly white and it's the janitor and he gets murdered. Mm -hmm. Like that was a little like, uh, okay. Um, I still don't really like horror movies, but Jason (laughs) enticed me with this because it is linked to orphan black. So I was going to watch it. I was like, okay, I've now watched it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think I'll watch it again. Uh, but I am glad that I was a part of, of this movie in that I witnessed it and can talk about it. Can I also add they killed the one good guy? Yes. Like, why did they kill the good guy? Well, it's a little up in the the air whether he's entirely good. I mean, the scene where they, where Trina comes to the house and she's upset and she claims that he's into virgins and deflowering them and then bailing on them. Yeah, but also how much of that is just her idea of what, like her uh, and this is another mm-hmm. like slut conversation yeah is that because she gave her virginity to him and then is pissed that like whatever reason you know he's an older guy they're high schoolers that's a conversation as well as being a drug dealer like oh yeah he's good but is he really like he's probably in his 20s you know and he has these parties for the high school kids in the the area where i don't know there's there's he's a little bit creepy there's certainly some things creepy about him but i I think the whole purpose of that scene where i i honestly think they make trina slightly sympathetic when she comes to the house and she's upset um I, i think that's intended to give you the opportunity to decide that sam's actually a scumbag 
mm-hmm. and that he dies, it's not that big a deal. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely deliberately vague, I think. Mm-hmm. He never made a move on Bridget, though, which I appreciated. And he right. said he wasn't interested. So that's what made me believe that he wasn't what Trina said. Mm. Yeah. There are some deleted scenes that uh, where Bridget actually broaches the subject with him and he looks sort of aghast. But again, they kind of leave it up in the air as to mm-hmm. whether there's any truth well, to it or not. And he turned down Ginger, too. Like True. when yeah. she's yep. full blown on. T- yeah, right. they're making out. And he's just like, whoa, wait a second. No. Right. I, I think um, to reach back to... Um, Steve's reference to Buffy, right? And this is the Buffy era. And this is like, mm-hmm. this in my, that was my favorite show. And so this is kind of in there and it is, but something that, uh, Kathy and Annette that you both, you both brought up, I agree with, which is if the metaphor here is lycanthropy as puberty, as becoming a woman, the mm-hmm. problem is, is that she's a victim uh, it makes her a monster, and mm-hmm. the hero is the girl who hasn't gone through puberty yet. Right, and that's exactly. backward, right? Like the Buffy take on this, and the, Buffy did a couple of werewolf things with Oz and stuff like that. But like the idea is, your body's out of control, and you don't know who you're becoming, and you got to figure out who you are now, and you get on top of it, and you take control of it, and that would be mm-hmm. the I would say the Buffy. A way of processing something like this is as a person, you have things happen to you and your body and you become something different and you have to figure out who you are now and then get on with your life. And Ginger Snaps, that doesn't happen. She is, you know, she becomes a woman, but she also is attacked. She's a victim when she becomes a werewolf. And at that point, if we if we you draw that parallel, um, she's just a monster. She She's like, OK, you got your period. You became a monster and we had to put you down. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's not that's not the best metaphor there. I certainly understand that interpretation. I think the menstruation metaphor works best if you don't try to take it too far. I think that's exactly it, which is it works on a very surface level. And yeah. what was disappointing to me is that there was no level below that. It was really more like, right. haha, right? And then that well, was the, it. Well, the level I think it works on is that this whole story is really told from the perspective of Bridget. Yes. And her view as Ginger is growing older and changing and getting hormones and becoming more unlike her is that Ginger is gradually becoming more and more of a monster. Yes. Or a creature that she doesn't recognize that isn't even that they even stated at one point, we're barely even related now. Yeah. So I think if you take it only that far, <laughs> it works pretty well. <laughs> right. If you take it a little farther than that, I agree. You can certainly interpret it in such a way that it's like, wow, that's a pretty, pretty dim view of uh, female sexuality. But yeah. even from that, you're setting it up as something to be feared instead of something to be celebrated. Well, and for Bridget, owned. it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, but- very, it very much is something she fears. So... You know, if you if you just look at it from that perspective, I think it 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 works pretty well. But yeah, you're right. There's there's definitely some potentially problematic stuff going on. I can't can't wait for Ginger Snaps too, where this will all be resolved in a positive way. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, definitely. Next Halloween. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Hey, Brian Hamilton, you like horror movies. How'd you think about this one? How'd you feel about it? I love horror movies. Give me all the horror movies. I really like them. And horror is the one genre where I will find things to love in movies that are not good because I love horror so much. Um, As so often happens on The Incomparable, I am liking the movie more 
as we're all talking about and as I'm hearing ideas being bounced back and forth, <laughs> as I was watching it, first of all, huge uh, scenes of suicide and fun pranks about that really put me off the rest of the movie. Um, and second, uh, by the end of the movie, as they enter the house uh, where uh, Ginger is, I looked at the clock and thought, oh, God, how is there 15 minutes left? Oh, God, please just end. But that last scene was really incredible. Uh, it was exactly what I wanted out of a horror movie. And again, and talking with all of you, I'm finding things to love about it. I really did enjoy watching these two characters grow up and grow apart in a bunch of really cool ways and i'm finding a new appreciation for the gore effects because those were a lot of fun and all the uh werewolf design and transformation was a lot of fun too save for the last scene uh feminism in horror movies has not always been <laughs> not the best what it's not always been very shocking good. i mean with my limited knowledge on horror movies this is news to me yes um <laughs> For further uh, further reading, I would like to recommend It Follows as an, another example of possibly squidgy, possibly empowering uh, use of female sexuality in terms of uh, the big bad of the movie being some sort of like transmittable thing. Um, I'd also like to recommend The Babadook as a uh, really redeeming uh, feminist story. Uh, but aside from that, yeah, this movie falls short on a few things. I'm really glad that it was not all uh, cis dudes talking about this movie uh, so we could could get better perspectives on it. Also, we had a Canadian. And that's yeah. true. <laughs> did anyone else notice the wanted sign was in French and I English? did notice yes, that. I did. That was amazing. <laughs> that was when I knew. The side we of the milk carton's got to be in French and English, of yeah. course. Yes. Yeah. And there are many a boots thrown here and there. Yes. <laughs> and stories. Steve, um you're you're right. This is this is exactly the right kind of horror movie for me in that it is it is not uh what i think of as you know not a like a super gory exploitative kind of thing it's not it's got a, a bunch of other stuff going on and i really liked it and although i think it's fair to have that sort of like a criticism of um of the feminism in it because it's trying up to a point and then not beyond that point um otherwise uh, you know i think uh I think it's a, 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 an enjoyable thing. I, I mean, it did. I liked it. So that's all, that's all good. So thank you for recommending it, I guess, is what I'm saying. Cool. Well, you know what <laughs> I think about it. Nine years ago. It, it, in, in a way, it's a pity that we're you know, watching it once and talking about it, because I think this is really one of those movies that's a, a bit of a grower. Um, you know, there are a lot of themes sort of fighting to, for, for surface uh, underneath the, the, the surface of this fun little horror movie here. And, uh, I, I think watching it a couple of times and maybe sitting back and going, huh, what, is, what are they trying to get across by that really helps this movie a little bit. Um, obviously, I'm not expecting anybody to do that when they're not big horror people, but I'm glad you all tried it out and, uh, and, and gave, it, uh, gave it your honest opinion. So, yeah, good stuff. I like the action. I thought there was the funny stuff. It, it is, it does hit, as I mentioned, the stuff that I really like the best in Orphan Black is this whole kind of absurd um, suburbs where nothing is happening and everything is perfect except beneath the surface, everything yeah. is a disaster, which I think that mm -hmm. this this does well. I actually think that it's one of the things that Buffy didn't spend enough time leaning into, where, where Sunnydale is, is portrayed very early on as this super weird place where terrible things happen, whereas, you know, they could have gone the other way where it's the perfect community but really beneath the surface it's a mess and and this does a little bit of that and, and orphan black yeah. did that too and i think that that is a that's a nice a nice bit and again very rarely that you see the creepy uh drug dealer in the van 
as uh, kind of a hero. <laughs> so uh, that's good. That's going for it. I, I feel like I'd like to watch it again, Steve, purely just for now that I know of the or- Orphan Black connection, because I think Jason's right. Sure. Even the body in the backyard. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. like, yeah. I need to watch this again just to like put all those things in place in my mind. And there are, there's a body in a, in a garage too. And in a garage. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah in Orphan Black. I may come yeah. back to this one too because this is like a this is a movie I can imagine putting on at a party in the background if people want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not going to make people like their eyes aren't going to stray to it and be like oh my god and they, then they have to throw up and um, exactly. that's good because they could slip <laughs> they could slip on their vomit and hit their head and die. And that oh would no! Be <laughs> but you're, you're right. This is very much you know it's, it's a horror movie that tries to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I will say as far as the feminism aspect of it goes to get as much as you get here is honestly a bit of a miracle in 2000 <laughs> so it tried i think it really tried yeah and it, it tried sort really hard works and sort of it, i it, think the get fact better. that you that you even have a horror movie in 2000 that's basically an allegory for for female puberty is <laughs> is pretty amazing um yeah, certainly they could have done things better. They could certainly have marketed it better, which I think is one of the, the difficult things about this movie. Because you can, if you've ever looked at the poster or the DVD box, they clearly looked at this film and said, wow, how the hell are we going to try to sell this to people? Yeah. It looks like it was made I in know. MS Paint. These, we'll make it look like charm. menstruation humor? Yeah, to that's a good idea. They, they, maybe yeah. they like put it on the, like the sides of, of boxes of uh, tampons. Right, like there is a the scene in Ginger Snaps. Check it oh, out. Oh, I do love the scene where where there's a, there's a brief uh, research montage where Bridget is yes. trying to figure out when she's likely to turn, and she's actually using the <laughs> free calendar. calendar. That that was the payoff, yeah. right? Like, because there's the joke, like, oh, yeah. it comes with a calendar, and then later the calendar is being used. That made me laugh a lot. That was good. It's it like, was wow, really funny. you went the extra mile there, movie. Good job. I think that's a lot of why this is still a relatively obscure film is because you look at the box and you're like, oh, it's a CW uh, mm-hmm. goth teens yeah. soap yeah, opera type bad. thing. And I, I actually really love the title. I love the triple meaning of the title. But when you combine it with the that imagery, it's like, oh, this looks really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I absolutely understand why it's not better known than it is. I was going to say, I, I also really love the very Buffy-like um, distance, and also very Charlie Brown-like, to be honest, distance between the, the kids and the adults yeah. in this little world. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, the, the girls are kind of doing their own thing, and the adults, from the guidance counselor to, you know, the mom and the dad, they're just off in their own world. And you could maybe go to them for help, but you know it's not going to work yeah. uh, when you go to the school nurse. That is, that is a huge she, thing she, in so much fiction when you've got your main characters as kids, you know, is if you don't put some distance there, it really makes you say, why did nobody go to an adult? And so you have right. to you have mm-hmm. to put a barrier there, whether it's a barrier of understanding or or of like we can't go to them because you know you've got to come up with some way to have a barrier there. Otherwise, uh, it kind of breaks down because you're like, why, why would you not just right. go just to go an to your adult mom. Yeah. now? And that's why I love that scene with the nurse where they actually lay out all the various symptoms of werewolfism yes. that she's experiencing: mm-hmm. bleeding, pain, hair in new and interesting places, <laughs> and of course the nurse. Whips out a couple of condoms and says, play safe. Yeah. With a big mm-hmm. smile on her face. Uh, speaking of whipping out some condoms, Emily Perkins, uh, who plays Bridget in this movie, well, plays the- I don't the, I know where this is going. <laughs> plays the Planned Parenthood clerk in Juno. 
uh, the goth Planned Parenthood oh. person who says, here, take some rubbers. Um, I guess Diablo Cody and uh, Jason Reitman were fans of this movie. Cause, uh, oh, that certainly yeah. seems likely. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I did do, also wanted to call out um, I, the acting in this movie, which I think um, Catherine Isabel, who plays Ginger, does a very good job kind of walking the line between feral and afraid. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Emily Perkins as Bridget is just amazing. She's really uh, good. It was beautiful. She, she's, she's asked to carry the movie in so many different ways, and, mm-hmm. and she, she nails it. Yeah. If I watched it again, I think it, it would be because of her, because I liked her character quite a lot. And that's the primary reason to watch the sequel, by the way, if you do decide to. I was, uh, was going to ask, do, do we watch the sequel or no? Well, the sequel, it, it, I think it's good, but it's not the same kind of movie. Mm-hmm. It's more of a straight up, like, 80s style horror movie with... It's not overly gory, but um, it's it, it it has this really great setup, and then it makes this weird ninety degree turn in the middle and turns into basically Home Alone with werewolves. Uh, which, <laughs> tell, tell me more. <laughs> um, are the werewolves uh, bra- breaking into the house, or are the werewolves Home Alone and robbers are breaking into the house? <laughs> um, a little of both, actually, as oh, it turns out. Okay, all right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's not cohesive like this. It doesn't have the dark comedy. I mean, it has bits of it, but um, the, the real reason to to watch it is because Emily Perkins is still great as Bridget, and um, you get to enjoy Tatiana Maslany, a fairly young version of her. Although she's nineteen, I think she's playing like twelve or something. But um, she's got a great part, and and she's really the second lead in that. You're and selling you're, me. If you're a big yes. orphan black fan, it's worth it just for that. Um, mm-hmm. But but it's it's this film, although it has ridiculous moments, at least tries to stay within the realm of the plausible, and that's more of just like a weird sort of thrill ride kind of thing. Oh. And is it the so, same production, like creator writer, different director? Different I don't writer. think Karen Walton's involved. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, um, it has its moments. I think the thing I like least about it is that it does certain things to the lore that. I think take away a little from the first movie. Um, I mean, obviously Bridget has survived, but the the kind of the the initial setup is that her her monkshood uh, solution has not actually cured her. It's just delaying the transformation, which is what sort of kind of drives the whole uh, beginning of the movie. And I like the contrivance that maybe that's a, a real. Um, you know, a real cure for werewolfism mm-hmm. because it adds that layer of tragedy. Like, man, if she had only just been able to get to Ginger in time, you know, so yeah. that bums me out. But it's worth a watch, I think, mostly for horror people and people who are curious about the the actors. But uh, I probably wouldn't recommend it for anybody here but Brian. Hello, All that's right. me. I like horror. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope everybody has enjoyed this scary trip into I was going to say lycanthropy but I prefer Steve's word for it werewolfism (laughs) we don't need to get all Latin because when the guy gets out of the car and he says I think it was a lycanthrope I'm like dude you could have just said werewolf what is wrong with you um so we but we've reached the end i hope people have enjoyed this we may we, we might do a scary movie club uh yes. series sometime yes. right yes yes not it i go in <laughs> yeah, we may do that it might happen 
You never know. Honestly, after 500 episodes, I've run out of ideas. So having Steve provide ideas for me and Brian, maybe, you know, that's great. 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 <laughs> from nine years I need, ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So get your suggestions in now and nine years from now, I'll, I'll do episodes about them. <laughs> yeah, see, that was the moment that convinced me never to come up with ideas for you again because you just you just ignored it for nine years. But now I realize you're just really a I, slow I burn. Just, it's, on, it's on a time delay. That's right. I got to it. Uh, Fair so enough. So I'd like to thank my panelists for talking about Ginger Snaps. It's available as we record this on uh, Prime Video. So uh, just it's on Amazon. Just go watch it. It's, uh, it's fun. Um, and uh, you can ask yourself about where the feminism ends <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> at, what, at what point does it end in there? My favorite Shel Silverstein book. Yeah, exactly. That's right. It's less popular. Uh, it didn't do as well, except in Canada. It did actually very well. Strange. I don't know how that happens. Uh, they have catch- We're so weird up and here. Cat- ketchup potato chips. I don't know what's going on up there. But thank you, Annette Weirstra, mm-hmm. for Field being hockey. here from Canada to represent for this Canadian film. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Kathy Campbell, thank you for being here and watching a horror movie, which was very brave of you. Yeah, thank you. I, I uh, need my mommy. Okay. <laughs> um, Brian Hamilton, thank you for talking about a horror movie with us. I am not dying in this room with you. Uh, I'll be the judge of that. And Steve Lutz, thank you uh, 474 weeks later for recommending Ginger Snaps. I am completely sickened by that, wasn't I? Uh, Jason, it's been a pleasure to uh, get to talk with you about the most disturbing thing to come out of Canada since Caillou. It makes a lot more sense now. (laughs) And uh, with that, I will say goodbye. Thank you to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. Happy Halloween. Ooh, don't get bitten by a lichen. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 